0: that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. to the Karen Kenny show. Oh, you can see Binky in the background, my bunny. (laughs) That is Binky Buttons, the little queen of Binklandia, making a special appearance on the show today. So you guys, uh, this is what we're going to talk about today. I'm calling this sucker, I think, I think, I'm not going to sign it in blood, but I think I'm going to call this sucker leaving the table, leaving the table. And you might be like, KK, what the fuck does that even mean? Why should I give a shit about this episode? Why why should I listen? I'm going to break it down for you right now. Okay. So you may remember, if you are a loyal listener, uh, that I did an episode, um, I think it was episode 74 called, Who's at Your Table? Uh, And if you recall, like, let me, actually, I'll talk to you like you didn't listen to it yet, right? So uh, episode 74, Who's at Your Table? And it was all about um, like me and my geeky uh, love of um, like Merlin, the magician and King Arthur and all things of the round table and the Knights and the Holy Grail and uh, just like all the mystical and magical of that. And, you know, it's why I love shows like Game, Game of Thrones and like all the things that have to do with the wizards and the magic and the mystery. Uh, and of course, for me, that has a really, you know, big element of the divine and of course, storytelling, right? And spirituality. But my main point uh, on that gig, on that episode was, you know, if you think of your, um, call them your closest, your nearest and dearest, your circle, right? Your, your people, your clan, your pack, whatever you call it, right? Uh, who are closest to you. And you look at it like you're King Arthur at the round table. And there's only 13 seats at your table. And you take up one of them. So you got 12 seats at your table. And the question that you ask yourself is, who's at my table? Like, who has a seat at my table? And I remember Maya Angelou. Um, you guys, you must know who Maya Angelou is. I'm not even going <laughs> to tell you who she is. Because if you don't know who she is, go do your homework. So the brilliant Maya Angelou, Dr. Maya Angelou, um, she's written many books obviously, but she wrote a particular, a cookbook and I might, I think it was called hallelujah, the welcome table, hallelujah, the welcome table. I think fingers crossed. I'm not butchering that. I didn't know I was going to talk about this pot. That's why I didn't do, I didn't write it down because I, here it is spiritual team, just dropping it in my head. But I remember her saying something like that, that sitting down at a table um, is one of the few times that people have a chance to um, be intimate with one another. And when I think about this, it's like, yes, of course, like since back in the day, like breaking bread together, like actually sitting down at a table and spending time together with your loved ones, with your family, with you know your closest people, like sharing a meal and breaking bread with people is a really big deal. So this concept of sitting down at the table, right? Like who are you sitting down at the table with? So this is kind of like what I was talking about on that episode, who's at your table. And so I've been talking with, of course, my, my one-to-one spiritual mentoring clients, but also with people in the nest, right? My spiritual membership and community. And these kinds of conversations and concepts around, obviously, like relationships, because how do we come to know ourselves? How do we really come to know ourselves? One is definitely by spending time alone in quiet time, in contemplation, meditation, prayer, right? Just being with yourself. If you are paying attention, you will come to hear, right? And and observe your thoughts, your words, your actions, your choices your behaviors, your patterns, your limiting beliefs, your bullshit, your brilliance, all of it. If you spend time by yourself, you learn some stuff. But also we come to know ourselves through others and through relationships and how we relate to others, how they relate to us. And so I get to talk a lot about how people, and I often say like in all your relationships, you are the common denominator, right? So your relationship, with the world, your relationship with your pets or your furry kids or your kids or your partners, your husbands, your girlfriends, whoever, your family, your relationships, everything like in, in our own individual lives, we are the common denominator. And that's the thing we get to be looking at. Not only am who am I choosing to seat, give a seat to like pull up a chair, belly to the table, like come into my world, but we also are sitting at other people's tables, And sometimes when you are sharing a table or sitting at somebody else's table, there might come a time when it is completely not just only appropriate, but necessary to leave the table. And I remember that, um, I I don't remember exactly um, where I was, but I remember when I was, (laughs) when I first heard the, um, it's not even a quote, it's a lyric Uh, It gets quoted all the time, but it's a lyric to a song that Nina Simone, uh, Nina Simone was a singer and a songwriter and a pianist. And I think she actually arranged a lot of her own songs. She was a civil rights activist, um, just powerful, powerful woman, Nina Simone. Um, And in 1965, she had an album and it was called... um, maybe spell on me, you put a spell on me or something like that. But I know she that she had a song on there and it's called, You've Got to Learn. Okay, and I remember, I'll never forget the first time I heard this lyric and she said, you've got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's let that one just kind of sink in for a moment. Right? You've got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served. Whew, man, that's an important one because here's the deal. If you um, had a seat at somebody's table and they were serving you nutritious and nourishing and delicious and amazing meals and food, and company, right? I often say to people, and I mean this seriously. So, you know, some of you may or may not know that my body has has been dealing with IBS, right? Irritable bowel syndrome, since I, I remember having my first IBS attack around the age of like 14, 15. And that's, I could tell that story. I'll tell, I'm going to do it. I have to do a whole podcast episode on irritable bowel syndrome, kind of like an expert on it at this point. <laughs> but um, I'll never forget the first time Um, that, that I, that I had that attack. Right. And, um, and so because of this, right throughout my life, there were periods of time when it was really bad. Like the symptoms were really, really bad. Um, And so I sought, uh, I sought out help and it's actually, interestingly enough, I sought out help here in New Hampshire. I sought out help like way before that. Right. But, but here in New Hampshire, I sought out, um, Somebody to help me, and they were actually a chiropractor. But the reason why I went to see them is because he and his wife were um, specialists in a macrobiotic diet. So not only was I vegan, but I also became macrobiotic for, for two years, which is, which is like a really powerful. Um, no, I, I can't speak, I can only speak for me in my own experience, right? It was really powerful. Healing opportunity, um, and one of the things that I learned, and the reason why I'm telling you all this backstory of you know this diet is one of the things that I learned while working with this chiropractor for my for my IBS was that. Um, you know, the quality, obviously, the quality and the kinds of food that like you put in your body are going to give you a reaction. But it was also learning everything like slowing down when you chew. So I learned to put my fork down between bites. I learned not to drink water with my meals so that my body could digest my food properly without all that water sloshing around in there, right? Right. Um, I learned to eat, I already was a pretty slow eater, but I learned to really slow down. And I would chew each bite, if you can imagine this, right? At least 50 times, but usually up to a hundred times because digestion begins in the mouth. I learned about um, not eating when you're angry, but I also learned about like when you're um, disturbed or upset that you wanna try to eat in a somewhat calm environment, all to help digestion, mind you, right? But one of the other things that I learned was like to not prepare food when you're pissed off. (laughs) And I will tell you this, when I receive a meal, when I take in nourishment, when somebody has cooked for me, people would often say to me, like, whatever, just pick a meal. I make pretty good soups. But people would say to me, oh my God, this soup is so good. Or this, whatever I had made, these cookies, whatever. And I'm like, that's because I put extra love in them. And I was dead serious. Like if I cook for you, I really do like to infuse my food with love because I want what's being served to you from my table to be nurturing and nourishing and not make you feel bloated and crampy and gassy and like shit, right? (laughs) So, and sometimes you can't control those things if people have dietary whatever. But what I'm trying to say is this, I'm kind of making a a point going the long way, but I want you to feel this because I'm dead serious. You should not cook when you're pissed off. Because your energy gets infused in everything you do. So that's like a little side bonus note, PS, by the way. Um, And the food will taste different. It sounds kooky, but I'm telling you, in my own experience, it has been true. I can taste the love when somebody has like made me a meal and they've really put their intention and attention into it. So what I'm trying to say is this, okay? When whatever is being served, like we're being literal here when we're talking about food, but in your relationships, whether they're intimate, sexual, friendly, platonic, work, whatever it is, but whenever, when, when, when whatever is being served at the table stops feeling nourishing to you, stops feeling like it's respectful, stops feeling like um, they care about you, stops feeling um, healthy and holy in a way, you have to be able to push your chair away and get up and leave, right? Back to what Nina Simone says, you've got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served. And if you feel like you're not even getting a whole meal that you paid for, like there are are gonna be relationships sometimes in your life where you're gonna feel like, man, I showed up, I, I brought like, you know, I'm bringing all my goods to the table. And I often say that, like I know what I bring to the table in a friendship. I know what I bring to the table in a relationship. I know what I'm bringing to the table as a mentor, as a teacher and a leader. Right. And I'm not saying I'm like special. I don't mean it like that. It's just like I, meaning I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. Okay. I know the places that are healed and I, and holy, and I know the places where I still have some work to do. Right. Cause we're all a little bit, you know, deep down beyond like you know, the physical and the personality and the ego, we are all perfect children of God. We are all already perfect. And our ego personalities can use a little work, right? So I always talk about this work, like it's spiritual reclamation. It's the remembering of your true self, but it's also like ego rehabilitation, <laughs> a little ego rehab, right? So what I'm saying is I know what I bring to the table. And in the beginning, sometimes people are serving up a lot of goodness at their table and you're like, Fuck, yeah, I'm going to pull up a chair to that table And then at some point, it changes. And sometimes we will sit at the table too long. Not that it's like we're overstaying our welcome, but we stay way longer than we should at the table. Sometimes we feel guilty because we're like, wow, they gave us a seat at their table. But... It's like, yes, we can be grateful for that. We can be grateful for what we did get, what we did get for nourishment, you know, the opportunities that came our way, the things that happen. But if there comes a time when what's being served no longer feels good to you in your body, if your intuition and your spirit is like run, right? Because I think the second half, um, the second half of Nina Simone's lyric, she said, uh, you know, you got to, you got to learn to leave the table when love's no longer being served. And, and then she said to show everybody that you're able to leave without saying a word. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. I've been, I've been batting that around in my head. Uh, I've been thinking that's kind of an interesting thing. I can see Binky back there. <laughs> so here's the thing. There might come a time when you're no longer getting the full meal. You're not even getting an appetizer. You're like a dog sitting on the floor at the table, just getting the leftover scraps. And when that starts to happen in a relationship, man, we have got to be able, we have got to be able to say, "Uh, no, thank you. This is no longer working for me. And you get to leave the table. And I invite you to just kind of think about this because, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from from different families and different... um, call them unspoken, like these unspoken like contracts that get made in families. And I remember one time that, you know, I did a post on social media and uh, one of my siblings wrote to me and they're like, you can't say that publicly. This is a few years ago. And I was like, "Uh, hey, I don't know if um, you think that there was some sort of familial contract uh, that was going on, but uh, I didn't sign it. There was no code of silence. I mean, God made me, I, I'm a writer. I, I'm, an, I'm an author. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm a storyteller. I, I, I'm not going to be quiet, you know, and I know a lot of kids get raised in households where it's like, we don't talk about what happens inside this house, outside of this house. What happens here is private. You know, you don't spread your quote unquote business, like whatever, but, oh, God bless the families with all of us writers, because we are always paying attention. We are always eavesdropping. And, and, you know, if you come from the lineage of truth tellers, and if you come from the lineage of scribes and you come from the lineage of uh, storytellers and the recorders of history, uh, God bless (laughs) you. Because we, we just, we got the assignment. I got the divine assignment. That uh, I'm gonna talk and I'm gonna speak and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the important stories. And so, um, you know, if it comes to a place when you're like, uh, I, I gotta go, um, you know, there are people who think, my point in all that was a lot of times people feel like you don't betray your family, you know, you don't leave. And there are times when your family, your lineage, your culture, your neighborhood, where you grew up, your city, your town, whatever, they demand your compliance but you got to do the uh, abandonment exercise, which is I am leaving you now. I am leaving you behind. And I know for myself that that has been, uh, and I'm not saying anybody, you know, uh, necessarily inflicted it on me in a very direct way, but as blue collar kids, as kids from, uh, I can only speak for myself, right? Where I grew up, um, there, there, there's a distinct pull. There's a distinct thing sometimes, right? And you guys all know, I am so proud of where I come from. I'm proud to be a kid from Lawrence, Mass in Boston, you know, like that, the hardcore for sure. Um, But there's also ask anybody right who grows up, there's this thing there, but sometimes you have to leave. Sometimes you have to leave the family. Sometimes you have to leave the city or the town. Sometimes you have to leave the church. Sometimes you have to leave the systems that are no longer working. And, Sometimes you have to leave systems that might be working for you, but maybe aren't working for your brothers and sisters of color or your brothers and sisters who are LGBTQIA, right? Sometimes we have to decide, yeah, 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 this group, whatever's happening here. Sometimes it's an online group, right? It's like it's a Facebook group. Sometimes it's a government party. Sometimes it's like whatever it is. The table can be many things. Your particular religion, your faith group your marriage, like whatever the table is. If we don't have healthy senses of self, if we don't value ourselves and have healthy self-esteem or or, or value, um, have have good self-worth, we don't have good self-love, we will often stay at a table collecting scraps, just being grateful for what we're getting, right? That we don't question it. But some part of your spirit will start to register, like, oh, yeah, this doesn't feel good anymore. And it doesn't mean you don't love those people or that you didn't love those people. It doesn't mean that it's not hard to leave. It doesn't mean that even though you have to leave or you must leave, it doesn't still make you sad. Right. And it's not sitting there pointing the finger and saying, in some cases, it might be like, yeah, this bullshit is bad and I'm out of here. But, you know, we, we've also been raised sometimes to think like, you know, like ride or dies, like this is my person for life. And, you know, and of course in miracles, you know, there's like three levels of teaching. You guys have heard me talk about this time and time again. And that first level of teaching, the relationship might last 30 seconds, right? Like you go to the store, you buy a pack of gum and you're pumping gas and you see somebody across the thing. You give a little eye, you know, a little, little smile, you exchange money for the, for the gum or whatever. You have that moment for a tiny little holy relationship. It's like, boop, blip on the screen. And then you have a second level of teaching where maybe you're together for three weeks, three months, three years, whatever. Somebody comes into your life, like maybe it's your elementary school friends or your high school friends or your college friends or like somebody you dated. And then the relationship, it's like, you know, woven together and then whoop, you go your separate ways. And that, that relationship served its purpose. You both got out of it what you were supposed to get out of it. And then you go on your merry ways. And then we have that third level of relationships. That third level of teaching where often you are brought together and it is like the the big ones, right? It's like the family that you're assigned to at birth, the people maybe that you um, are with life partners with for a wicked long time or people that you marry or your siblings or like your children or whatever it is, right? And these are the ones that are like the lifelong ones. And I often jokingly say uh, just because they are your lifelong assignment or a wicked long assignment might not be death till death do you pot but a wicked long assignment, it doesn't mean that you love them or enjoy it, <laughs> right? But there's something there. There's something there for both of you to learn and to heal together. And I see a lot of people sometimes staying at the table uh, much longer than they should, because there's a fear of, um, am, I gonna, am I gonna, You know, if I leave this table, I don't know where I'm gonna sit. I don't know if I'm gonna be invited to another table. I don't even know what the next table looks like. Like I even remember, like it's making me think right now back to when we were little kids and uh, me and my sister, my stepsister, Pam, I call her my sister, but just to put things in context, you know, we wouldn't be allowed to sit at the big kid table. So it'd be like my mother, my stepfather, my sister, Kim, and then like Kathy, Kathy and Steven. And then Pam and I would be like shoved around the corner at the kiddie table. Like we weren't even allowed to sit at the big table. Uh, because first of all, Pam and I used to make it, Buffy, Who does I call her, Buffy? Um, Buffy and I used to just fucking laugh our asses off constantly, right? We were two like little goofy kids, <laughs> two little weirdo tomboys, like we looked like boys until we were both 13. Um, but so we weren't even allowed to sit at the big table, right? So there are gonna be uh, relationships and circumstances in your life where you're just like, I've outgrown this table. I don't wanna be at this table. This table isn't actually designed for somebody like me. It's clearly not working for me. And every time I sit at this table, I get fucking indigestion or agia or heartburn. (laughs) And my IBS flares up when I sit at this table. So look, you got to be paying attention and we got to be brave enough and we got to know our worth. And, And what happens is the more that we do our own spiritual work, the more that we do our own personal work, And we're willing to take a look at the the table sometimes that we're choosing to sit at. Like we choose and you beg. It's like, I wanna be at that table. And I'm like, why? Look at the, like, why? What's attractive to you about that table? And sometimes we think, oh, it looks like a pretty table. It looks like a perfect table. Like that's where the influences are. That's where the people, I'm like, but wait until you actually see what's on the plate. Because people can moth a stew at the shit out of a table and you think it looks good. And then you get a peek inside the kitchen and you're seeing the rats and the roaches. And you're like, oh shit. Because that's how it is these days because people are like uh, putting on a really good performance. And then sometimes you see behind the scenes and you realize, I'm not talking about that people need to be perfect. None of us are perfect. We're, we're all human. We're all clumsy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about shit where it's really no longer in alignment. This isn't about making it us versus them and everybody, you know, we, we, we all are, are, are um, at our core, we are all light, but we have a lot of experiences here in the human realm and the illusion where we get burdened by the darkness of others or our own darkness until we are willing to do the work to heal. And so I just don't want you settling for the crappy fold out table, right? Like, look, like you deserve, you deserve to have a nice solid table where there is good and nutritious love being served. That love is being served to you at that table and when it stops feeling like love, it's time to push your chair back, be able to stand up and leave. And you don't have to make a big fuss about it sometimes, right? Sometimes you do not even have to say a word, as Nina Simone says, but you've got to find it within yourself to recognize that this is no longer working and to be able to have boundaries. And that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode, <laughs> right? Because a lot of times traumatized children have never learned how to put boundaries in place. We have very loose boundaries or sometimes it's very rigid boundaries, but they all are de- were designed to keep us, um, you know, to survive and to, to do what we thought was to keep us safe. But at some point, um, you know, so that's part of knowing yourself, too, is being able to recognize, like, maybe where in your history, in your childhood, your earliest caretakers, uh, where maybe they were not nourishing you and nurturing you. And so the, that sense of self is a little unclear, that sense of safety and security, like you're always trying to attune or, you know, cue into, like, you know, places of safety. And sometimes, we, like I said, a table might have nice, nice, it might, it might be, like, all perfect, But you realize that what's being served is poison. And so you gotta be able to go like, oh, I've eaten here enough times that I and recognize that there's a pattern of me feeling sick when I'm at this table. It doesn't feel healthy, it doesn't feel right. And to not, you know, to to at some point you gotta question. At some point you gotta be willing to question it. And we sometimes don't like to do that because it will be too painful. It's painful sometimes to recognize, uh, I've been begging for table scraps and I don't want to have to do that anymore. You never should have had to have done it in the first place, but not everybody is capable, All right? Some people invite you over for dinner and then they serve you like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to make fun of anybody's food because sometimes look at, I grew up, I grew up kind of a poor kid. I ate some stuff, right? When, when you're eating like, uh, Butter and sugar sandwiches. So trust me, I can I can talk some kind of white trashy food. <laughs> what I'm saying, you guys, is is I want you to just when you sit at the table, when you pull up to spend time with people, uh, in in your relationships and when you relate to one another, I want you to feel like you have been uh, just been 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 a buffet, a buffet of beauty and goodness that just makes you feel more like yourself and makes you feel seen and makes you feel heard and makes you feel so welcome, right? That welcoming table, the welcome table, as Maya Angelou talks about. That's what I want for you. It's what I want for myself. It's what I want for everybody. I want everybody to have that experience. So if you haven't listened to episode 74, who's at your table, I think it's an important thing to know to go back and look and say, yeah, who am I giving one of these precious seats to, right? We can love everybody. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about like your, your, your people who have got your back. What I would call like your balcony people go listen to that episode too. That's a really fun one. But we also have to recognize sometimes, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfy, even when it's like, shit, this means this is ending. This is, yeah, it's like being able to leave the table is a powerful thing. Even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when it makes you sad. But sometimes it's like gradually, but inevitably, like we have to find that inner strength to say, "Um, yeah, I don't feel welcome here anymore. This isn't working for me anymore. And uh, to go on your merry way. So you guys, I hope you have found this helpful in some way. I always say about the podcast, what I'm hoping to do is to either um, elevate, educate, enlighten, or entertain, to just at least give you guys an opportunity Uh, to look at something in a new way. That's what I find really exciting is not telling people what to do, not wagging my finger at anybody. I always say, hey, take what works, leave the rest, take what resonates and put it to work because that's the biggest thing here. Taking these spiritual principles, right, these universal spiritual principles and putting them to work practically in your personal lives because otherwise what's the point? You can read all the books you want and you can do all the fancy spiritual stuff. But at the end of the day, if you can't apply it to your life and find some value and notice like, oh yeah, this actually works, KK, or hey, this is what I thought about. Because that's what I'm most excited about is, is encouraging people to think critically and independently for themselves, to find out what's true for them. To take these tools that you can use in your human day to day life. Because I often, I jokingly always say about the nest, right? It's like I have an ongoing spiritual membership and community because this being human is an ongoing problem. <laughs> I know you guys can feel that, right? It's also a wondrous and mystical and mysterious and amazing thing, but it can also be kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. So. Here's the thing, you guys, um, if you are a podcast listener, let me just drop this. If you are a podcast listener and you think to yourself, Eva, like, man, I, I, I want to work with KK. I want to hang out with KK a little bit. You always have a couple of options, right? There's two ways currently to work with me. I mean, I have a couple of online uh, courses. You can go to my website, karenkenny.com, and check those suckers out. But if you actually want a little more personal time, right? The most intensive, of course, is working with me one-to-one in spiritual mentoring. And you can find all of this at karenkenney.com slash work with me. But there's also the Nest, my spiritual membership and community. And I usually only open up this sucker twice a year. But here's the thing. If you get on the waiting list for the Nest because here's what's happening. I'm just letting people know, right? I'm starting to let people know. Because uh, if you've been uh, thinking about it, if these kinds of things, like if you listen to my podcast and you and you kind of love these things that I talk about, um, these are the things that we do work on, right? The, in the nest. These are the things that we, that we give our attention to, right? Um, the different ways of how we bring the divine, the spiritual into our everyday life, like Practical application problem solving of how I get that bug out of my own way. (laughs) How do I lead a more peaceful and happy and aligned life? It's aligned with my values, KK, that helps me to solve the problems that come up with my kids and my family or whatever, like taking the tools from the spiritual toolkit and putting them to work. So here's the deal. Um, Right now, the nest is currently like 59 bucks a month or 5.99 for the year. But the next time this sucker opens in like September, it's going up. It's going up to like 99 a month. Um, So here's the deal. If you get on my waiting list for the nest now, you might get a little secret squirrel deal that will allow you to get the lower rate before it goes up because I sometimes do little secret squirrel like flash sales for my waiting list people. It's one of the ways that I show the love because I appreciate their interest not only in the nest right of because of course that's cool. you know I appreciate that. But it's also, I have an appreciation for the fact that they took action and they did something about it and they stepped forward and they said, Hey, I think I wanna do this and I wanna get some skin in the game. And I give a shit about bettering myself because vicariously, by bettering myself as an individual, an individual is part of a collective, it is part of, of the country and the world that by me doing this work and being brave enough to take a look in the soul mirror and to uh, take a fearless moral inventory and start showing up and taking responsibility for both my brilliance and my bullshit, I like to reward that. So um, people who are on the waiting list you guys often get like a little like, boop, the window opens like for like, you know, 48 hours, sometimes 24 hours. It's like, hey, you want to sneak in now before you can. So I just want to say fairly weren't warned. I'm letting you guys know that come September because um, the Nest is getting some really, I have some amazing guest teachers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to do a whole sales pitch. This is me just giving you a, a nice little heads up and an invitation. Uh, and I don't I don't, I just don't want people to miss out Uh, on the opportunity uh, when the time comes uh, before the rate goes up in September. So you guys, when you have a moment, you might want to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. If you're that kind of person, your journal, or maybe you're somebody who likes to just do things in your mind and just really think about the tables at which you have a seat at. Uh, And maybe you want to pull your chair up to the table of the nest that would be amazing. I would love that. But also look at your day-to-day ones and take a look and and, and really start to look at and say like, yeah, is this a table that I want to stay at? Or maybe is it time to be leaving the table? You guys, wherever you go, really, wherever you go, be fully present. Wherever you go, be fully there leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it, wherever you go, may you be a blessing. I love you, bye. Hey you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time. Friendship and support and look if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out These days and let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful You can find me over at Karen Kenny live That's Karen K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E